Hey everyone, and welcome to Screams After Midnight. I am Peter, that is Tim. We talk about horror movies on this show. And this episode, we are going to tackle a sequel. Uh, we have many franchises that we are working our way through. We started a bunch in October for Halloween, and we're working our way through over the course of the months that follow until we've completed some of these franchises. This is another big one. Last week we did Friday the 13th, part 2. This week it's a Nightmare on Elm Street, part 2. Freddy's Revenge. And mm-hmm. what's funny is that whenever I see it written down, it's always just two. It's not part two. But I was paying attention in the movie. The title in the movie says part two. Interesting. Okay. For the record, just in case, it's, it's, it's not important at all, but just in case it is important somehow. Oh, it's funny because I, I think we, we talked about that a little bit with uh, Friday the 13th because I think that was part two. That was part two, yeah. Yeah. They, they they kept the part outside of four, which didn't have the uh, the, the 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 number. number. They they kept the part all the way up to eight. Mm. Whereas I feel like Neon Elm Street. This may be the only time it does it. I don't know. If, maybe mm. the, again, maybe the the title in the movie itself will say part yeah. three next time. I don't know, but certainly the, the titles written down on the, the Blu-rays, the DVDs, and all that never say part something. Mm-hmm. This is probably the most boring conversation we could possibly <laughs> be having about this movie. Uh, so we'll start spoiler free as we typically do and we will uh, warn you before we go into spoilers somewhere in the middle and we'll get into it. So Nightmare on Elm Street 2 is an odd sequel uh, one <laughs> might say partly because it's kind I mean it references the first movie so the first movie did happen but going forward after this, the movie's kind of... I mean, you could skip this movie and just go straight to 3 and you would never feel like you've missed anything. There's nothing in this that affects anything after this movie. At least from what I remember. I don't remember it ever being mentioned again. And I don't think so. Just in terms of a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, it, it kind of isn't one, in a sense. <laughs> because the plot of a Nightmare on Elm Street movie is that Freddy Krueger comes into your dreams and he kills you in your dream. And if he kills you in your dream... Then you die in real life. That, that's the rules, right? That is, that's a nightmare on Elm Street. This yeah. movie is about Freddy Krueger possessing a teenage boy and using him <laughs> to kill people. And he never actually kills anyone in a dream in the entire movie. Mm. Not a real person, anyway. No, no one dies in a dream because of Freddy. It's all this weird, he's kind of possessing Jesse kind of thing. And that's the, that's the thing. Uh, so... And there's also a lot of homoerotic things going on, which we will talk about. <laughs> so that's the movie. So I'll ask Tim the question that I always ask. Tim, did did you enjoy, or do you enjoy, because you've seen this before, do yep. you enjoy An Eight on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge? Uh, so I would say, um, in a weird way, yes. Uh, but I wouldn't say it's a good movie. I would say it's an interesting movie. Uh, like you said, it's doesn't really do what you want in a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Um, but because of um, – and it, they – if you watch the um, uh, like the four-hour-long documentary, Never Sleep Again, uh, I think it's called. Yes, um, that's, the, that's the, the Nightmare one, yeah. Yeah, so uh, so they have a lot of interesting things to say about this. And like you alluded to, you know, it's kind of gained notoriety for having very – uh not so subtle like uh homo you know uh sexuality tones and stuff about it um which i actually think makes it kind of interesting because you don't really see that in a lot of horror movies uh so 
once you kind of like I, you know, seeing this as a kid, like you know that stuff was kind of over my head. But you know, watching it now and knowing that stuff, I think it actually does make it kind of an interesting watch because of it. Yeah, it, it's an odd one. It, it's it's bizarre to me that the first sequel they kind of like completely change the premise of the series, and then the third one goes back. The third one kind of course corrects and says, "No, no, that's not Nightmare on Elm Street. That's his Nightmare on Elm Street," and. You wouldn't have it any other way, but this second movie exists, and it's this kind of weird oddity where Freddy's doing something completely different. I mean, he still wants to kill people, ultimately, that's just what he's doing, but his entire like, premise of the movie, the plot, sort of, the way he interacts with people is completely different, and yeah. uh, it's kind of weird. Uh, it kind of reminds me of, like, um, in the 80s, um, Nintendo, when they, like, when they would make sequels to Nintendo games, uh, oftentimes they would like to change it up and make it like really different from the first one so you have like um you know the american version of super mario brothers 2 and zelda and castlevania 2 are all really like different and uh, i think it part of it is you know people maybe not understanding like what people want they're like oh well we can't just do the same movie again we got to give them something different and then uh immediately flip-flopping and be like oh wait no people like the first one because of like what we did not they don't need us to you know, change it up all the time. It's a balance of that, but I think, I think it's when you change the actual rules of what made the movie work, and you're doing mm-hmm. something like, just, no, the character now does this instead. It's like, okay, it's yeah. weird. Um, I mean, he's still Freddy, he's still Robert England, he's still cracking his lines, he still, you know, has his moments that's very Freddy-like, but that's, you know, it's, it's just different. And uh, What I will say, though, is I think the movie actually is a decent watch. It is definitely not the best yeah. movie in the series by any means, but... I think it's a decent watch because it has memorable characters. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. Jesse, Lisa, and their friend Grady, I feel like they're all relatively likable and memorable. Yeah. I remember his parents as well. Jesse's parents are kind of like his dad's, this, like, fuddy-duddy who's constantly mm-hmm. telling him to clean his room and, like, you know, I won't have this in my house. And he's constantly... <laughs> he's claiming that nothing's wrong. He's like, oh, there's nothing wrong with the AC, even though we're all sweating and it's like 100 degrees. Like, it's maybe one of the sweatiest movies I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. It, Jesse <laughs> wakes up in a, a warm sweat and he's just drenched in sweat so many times in this movie. And it, on top of that, he's, he's always in his tighty whities so he's always mm-hmm. walking around almost naked and there's just bulge yeah. on, the, on the underwear. A lot of times he'll have just have his shirt open if he's wearing a shirt. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and then one of the things uh, I, I think that does make it watchable is, um, you know, not that it was intended to, but I actually do find it to be really funny. Uh, mm. Like, you know, there's a pretty ridiculous dance scene and, uh, you know, well, there's a I, lot I, of lines. I cannot imagine that dance scene was not intended to be funny. Like... There's no way he was doing that and set and people thought, oh no, this is a serious dramatic moment or a horrific moment. No, no, no. They they knew what they were doing there. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, you have all the the the, uh, the homoerotic stuff in there, which, of course, we said he's like he's like half naked a lot of the time, the shirt's open. It, it goes more deeper on that, though, because the whole idea that Freddy's gradually trying to like possess him. Mm-hmm. And it's all about Freddy. Like every time it happens, like Freddy comes out from within and sort of rips part of his skin off and stuff. And mm. it's like very clearly kind of like it's a metaphor for his homoerotic feelings deep inside. And it's kind of coming to the surface, but he's terrified of what will happen if it does, and he's scared of it. Like, and it causes him to run away from his girlfriend and try mm-hmm. to seek solace in his like you know male best friend, 
Who, by the way, did you recognise the actor who was playing the best friend, Grady? Oh, no, I didn't. He was in Vamp. Oh, 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 yeah, I didn't even realise that. Yeah, yeah. Because as oh, soon as well. I saw him, I went, wait a minute, I've seen him in something recently. And I was, I was thinking about it, I'm like, oh, he's the, he's the guy in Vamp who... To oh, get, good catch. Who gets turned, so... <laughs> No, yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, uh, yeah. So, so you've got all that, but on top of that, you've, you've got the the gym teacher who gives him a hard time. <laughs> also goes to S and M clubs. Uh, he so he catches him at uh, an S and M club, and instead of like bringing him back to his parents or something, he makes him do laps in the gym, like in the dead of night, <laughs> yeah. while he's like still wearing his like leather outfit. Call me crazy, but I I didn't think all the teachers had like keys to unlock the gates and stuff at schools. Like typically, you've got the, yeah. your, your janitors and that kind of thing who do all that. Uh, I don't really believe he would have access. And does he not think this is weird that he's still standing in his leather top, showing oh, the student to run around? <laughs> oh, it's it's absolutely crazy, but <laughs> no it's one questions it. <laughs> it's absolute madness. The actor who plays the teacher, actually, the gym teacher. Um, he's been in a bunch of stuff, but I know him mainly from Twins. He's one of the bad guys in Twins. Oh, okay. He's like this hitman in Twins. I like that movie a lot. I watched that a lot growing up as a kid. So that's okay. what I know him of primarily. But uh, so, yeah. I believe the bartender at the S&M Club is uh, Robert Shea, I think. Oh, I didn't even notice, but you may be right. That makes a lot of sense, because yeah. he's the obviously the, the head of New Line. So he was yeah. heavily involved in it. Which, interesting, this movie had the proper New Line logo that we all kind of remember. Uh, the mm-hmm. first one didn't. The first one had this different old school looking thing, whereas this this is the first Nightmare on Elm Street movie to have the you know the the, the film strip parts yeah. coming in and you know, uh, so cool. uh, nice little touch. Not, not not much to say about it, but it's cool. Um, it's nice to see, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's weird. The, 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 like the kills, the kills are okay. There's there's some decent kills in here. It's, they're not mm-hmm. all amazing or anything, but they they have some moments. Yeah, so the kills are uh, all right. There's some decent ones, but um, definitely not as good as the first one. And you know, like you were mentioning earlier, it's you know probably because of that difference between you know the first one, Freddy's fully in your nightmares, and you can have these kind of you know bigger, more outlandish stuff. When this one, it's kind of trying to you know do this possession, real world kind of thing, which you know does still have like weird, interesting stuff, but. You know, not to the level of the first movie. Yeah, but did the first one have the the S and M gym teacher uh, tied up with with skipping rope <laughs> and then whipped with towels like it was like a S and M kind of scenario? <laughs> I don't think it did. To be fair, no, it did not. <laughs> it did not. I think you'll find. Um, yeah, uh, I do think the again, you know, not going too much into spoilers, but. Um, I yeah, I think the ending, um, they do something that is just like, oof, I I don't like what they're doing here. Um, yeah, it it does a weird thing at the end. It, it, I'll, I guess it's a really bizarre nightmare on the Elm Street movie. There's so many things of yeah. things in the plot that are just so not like any of the other movies. The entire idea, of course, that he's possessing people, but just just the way it ends. That said, it does kind of the final the final very scene does feel like a kind of callback to the the original's final scene with the you know because the last movie it was a car at the end. Yeah. End of this movie, it's a, it actually opens and ends with a bus in this movie, uh, and we get this demented bus sequence where. The, the the bus is Freddy's driving the bus and he takes it out into like the the desert and then like the the ground falls away and like in the the pits of hell with nothing but like a bottomless pit bit around them. 
strange yeah. stuff over the top if it, it really felt like oh the first one did well let's throw some more money so we can do this elaborate opening scene where you get yeah. all this crazy stuff but hey it's, yeah. it's okay do you think that was a real bus on the rocks or did they use like miniatures or something uh the exterior shots probably miniatures okay <laughs> yeah i i imagine the rocks themselves were also miniatures to be honest and the whole thing was probably a Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm just pulling your leg, Pete. It very okay. obviously is. It looks so fake and cheesy. Uh, look, look, Tim, I'm tired, I'm loopy, and you're, you're hitting me with jokes that I just can't decipher in my current state of mind. There's something inside of you trying to get out. I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> it needs to come out. Yeah. You know so you out. ditch your girlfriend and come to me? Oh. <laughs> <sighs> Never, Tim. <laughs> Never. Oh, uh, dear. If she, hey, uh, hey, if I meet someone and she also wants to be the co-host of this podcast and get rid of you, I'll, I'll let her, I'll, I'll, I'll do it for her. I'll, oh, I'll thank God. You. Please. Please. <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I think we'll go to spoilers. I, I think we'll, yeah. we'll lift the spoiler veil and dive in. So The parakeet explodes. <laughs> there, there is possibly the the most exciting chasing the bird around the room scene in the history of movie making that results in it flying into a light and it just blowing up yeah that, that was a thing that happened uh there's also a toaster that catches on fire even though it's not oh, plugged right. in oh, and i always forget this scene but uh uh, his little sister is eating maybe the most racially insensitive <laughs> cereal oh, ever. That's right. Yeah, it's a Fu, Fu Manchu <laughs> cereal, and she she's and, like. It, but Chews is spelled like C H E W S. And she she wants the the, the, the Fu Manchu fingers that come with yeah. the the cereal, and <laughs> obviously it's just because so, so, it mirrors Freddy's knives yeah. and like you know Jesse's like freaking out like ah. Uh. <laughs> He doesn't look at the camera where, like, you kind of wondered if they, you know, were trying to decide if they should put in a wah, wah, wah sound effect or not. <laughs> like I say, it's full of these weird, odd, odd little things like that that, that don't quite make sense. And, you know, Emily's girlfriend or friend, like Lisa, like, it was another thing. This is something that never really comes up, but he has a car that he, he, that he drives around and... Like when she comes to like sort of meet him at his house in the mor in the morning to go to school and he's like, Okay, this I'll drive is this go. They jump in the car and you see that there's no radio, there's like things missing and it's like a complete wreck and he just pushes in a button to start it, right? And she's like, Don't you have a key? Like, won't someone steal it? And he's like, What, you mean the the death I can't, I can't remember what he calls it, but he has a name for it. It's basically just like a hunk of junk. No one would ever even want to steal it. And I was thinking Oh, this must play into something later. The fact that it doesn't need keys or something, like you know, yeah. like it must come up, and it never does. The fact that he drives this car is irrelevant for the rest of the movie, but it, it gets this introduction for for yeah. whatever reason. Uh, in terms of co- uh, connecting to the first movie, they, they find Nancy's diary because they, they move into her house. Like he, he's living in her house now, and we actually find out that her mother, at least the official story, is that she committed suicide in the living room. Mm-hmm. Because if you remember, we were trying to decipher what the final scene, of the first one, right. like was it? Did that really happen? Was it? Was it? Was it just you know? Uh, and if Freddy did kill her in her dream, it would look like suicide. Yeah, so I think that's uh, 
Yeah, like, like you said, there's not much that really ties it into the other movies, but I, I guess that is something you can kind of cling on to, be like, uh, all right, there's a little bit of continuity there. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really have to be there. I, I'm not really that fussed about it. But I just think it's funny that it, it does. They, they do find this diary and they're, they're looking through it and they're like, oh, okay, right, so Nancy went through all this. She saw her, saw her boyfriend being murdered across the street and then went crazy. And I'm like, wait a minute, that happened like the same night she like ended it all. Like she she fought yeah. Freddy that same night. Like that wasn't her going. She went crazy, you know. As, <laughs> as far as the public sort of record and the public eye is concerned, she went crazy mostly before her boyfriend got murdered across the street. Mm-hmm. Just for the record, so, yeah. So I'm just saying. So uh, get it straight. <laughs> yeah, get it straight. Maybe keep keep your continuity in check. Uh, yeah, so so he gets possessed. He and he wanders over to uh, the the S and M club. He meets the, the coach. <laughs> and it's when he's in the shower that he apparently gets possessed by Freddy and kills the coach. I actually I do like the way it does it like multiple times, almost too much. But I do kind of like the whole way where he'll lift up his hand and he's wearing the glove. Yeah, and just the look of horror on his face is like, wait a minute, I'm wearing the Freddy glove. What's happening? <laughs> So, you know, he's got a couple of things like that, which it kind, of, kind of makes it... Like I say, I think the characters being kind of memorable is the, the one of the best things it's got going for it and kind of the stupid ideas that it has. Yeah. When we actually get to the end game, though, and it's like this pool party at Lisa's house, and, like... I mean, again, tied into the homoerotic thing, the idea that Freddy comes out again when he's about to have sex with a... You know, like, that's clearly, like, a, a thing. But... Yeah. Then he's at the party and Freddy comes out and so this is where I was getting like confused with things. I'm like, are other people actually seeing Freddy Krueger or are they mm. seeing just Jesse being crazy? Like, what what are they seeing? And it seems to be they're actually mm. seeing Freddy because the ending with Lisa would imply that because she sees a difference when he comes back to normal. That's the way I took it. Yeah, yeah. But Freddy basically he's in the real world now and he's like jumping around this pill party like just stabbing various people. <laughs> and, yeah, like, it flipping tables really... over. <laughs> It really, really like doesn't work. It doesn't because <laughs> there's like forty people at this party, and they don't think to like just rush them and pin them down. Yeah, like <sighs> that is pretty ridiculous. Like one guy tries to, you know, like kind of talk him down, which is uh, kind of funny. But like, yeah, other than that, they could easily overpower him. Um, but otherwise, he he loses a lot of his mystique when, you know, he's not this like you know, menacing, creepy dream god. Now he's just like kinda when he's in the real world he, he just looks like a small manic dude that's just like kinda running around haphazardly in the like Yeah, like him running around at that pool party in front of all those people just kinda makes him feel weak. Especially when he first turns into Freddy when they're about to have sex. He yeah. like she immediately just hits him over the head with a lamp and it like really throws him off balance and he's like like disorientated and I'm like he shouldn't be this easy to to like distract. This is like this right. feels far too easy. Uh, so yeah. it k- kind of neuters him a little bit in, in that sense. And then they run to the the the, the factory, the the power plant where he killed the kids because we we introduced it earlier on in the movie. And basically, the power of love from Lisa <laughs> burns Freddy alive, and then Jesse emerges from a cocoon of like charred Freddy. And yeah. it's Jesse who's there now. He won. Yeah. Which it, it kind of sends like a, a shitty message where if you are looking at this like as kind of an allegory for 
you know, someone fighting with their, you know, trying to deal with their sexuality and stuff, uh, mm. then this would mean the ending is basically like, oh, like you can, all you need is the love of a good woman, woman to get cured. And that's uh, like, ah, that's kind of shitty. I, I, this is the thing. I don't think that's intentional because if I remember the stuff in the documentary, it wasn't like in the script or like even maybe the well not even the director who are like doing like the the sexual subtext stuff. For them, I think the ending works because the ending is just the ending of a normal story. Right. I yeah. think it was the actor and like someone else who was specifically putting in a lot of extra stuff. Well, I, I, if uh, again, just going on memory, uh, I do believe that the the actor at the time was in the closet himself and. Mm. Uh, it's actually kind of sad. Again, if I'm remembering it correctly, I think that this did kind of like haunt him for a good while until like eventually, you know, he came out and uh, whatever. But, you know, for like a long time, he was, you know, seen as like, you know, oh, the the gay kid in that, you know, nightmare yeah, movie. I, but I, I don't um, think, yeah, I don't think when it was written, the script, I don't think it was intentional. Yeah. Outside of maybe the, the gym teacher being like in the SAM club, but the rest of it, I feel like, like, I think there, there was someone that was involved in it that I, I think, was maybe intentional, but I don't know if it was like, like maybe like a, a screenwriter or maybe even just someone like the, like set designer or something. Because I think there are like a lot of, like yeah, um, I remember the set designer because in his bedroom I think there's like posters on the wall that are kind of suggestive and stuff. Yeah. I think there's one that says like "No girls allowed" or something like, but, which is just kind of funny, yeah. But. but I think whoever wrote the movie, I think when they wrote it, it wasn't like a a subtext that was they, meant to be yeah. there. So the ending works in that sense because it's not actually supposed to have this allegory. Yeah. But it was like everyone else after the fact added all this stuff in. So now if you're looking <laughs> at it, like you say, through that lens of this is all like a metaphor for him coming yeah. out and like the idea of the 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 sexual frustration erupting and what the damage it could cause if he holds it in and then it eventually erupts in it like you know it, yeah. it it's basically saying you know, he'll just be sperming all over the place and spunking <laughs> on everyone um, and but so if you look at it from that lens yes the ending's a bit weird when it's like oh all, all he needed was some love and he if he, he beat it <laughs> he yeah. got through it so yeah I guess and then we have another bus scene at the end. You, you gotta have that last little scare. It's funny because I think the end of the first movie, mm-hmm. it matters how literal the end scene is because obviously we have continuity after that. But the end mm-hmm. of this one, this movie's never referenced again, to the best of my memory. So it doesn't actually matter. If you want to believe this ending is literal, take it. If you want to believe this is just him having a nightmare and it's not actually him dying again with Freddy, take it. Whatever, doesn't matter. Go about yeah. your business. It's fine. How about, how about his ass? We see his ass in a glorious uh, f- fight in the the football field. Uh, his best friend <laughs> grabs his his uh, his uh, running trousers and pulls them down, and you just like have his ass hanging out for this. And t- they're rolling around the ground as his ass is bare. So just in case it wasn't homoerotic enough for you yeah. quite yet, you've got that as well. He's got enough of it. And I mean. Honestly, it's like uh, it, it might seem kind of weird, but it really is like in this movie's best interest because without all this stuff, it this is like nothing. This, there's nothing interesting. I mean, aside oh, yeah. from it's the most like, interesting. A few okay, kills. Yeah, it's the most inter- interesting part of the movie. Like, I, I like the gym teacher kill. I like when Grady gets killed. Uh, oh yeah, where he's trying to get out. He's like he's terrified and like. His parents just see the claws coming through the door. That was an okay little little death scene. That worked. Um, yeah. 
That said, if you there's not like a ton of death though, unless you count like all the kids at the pool party. But that's true. That's it. If you're going with this whole sexual allegory, it puts a really weird image of the scene where he actually like as Freddy goes into his little sister's bedroom and he's like hovering oh, true, over her, yeah. and then. Then, then he sort of like snaps out of it and says, "Oh, it's okay, nothing." Then he puts her back to sleep. I'm like, if, yeah. if you're if, if if you're saying Freddy's a, a representation of his sexual rage, then that seems like really disturbing. Yeah, I definitely don't want to think too much about that. Yeah, so so you know, I I think I can say I don't think the script was written with that intended, but a lot of yeah. it got added in later, and as a result, some of the scenes don't really work with it. Like you know, that scene, the ending, kind of don't work with that that message. But hey. What, what are you going to do? I, I do think it is interesting to, uh, I, again, I can't really think of many other horror movies that do this, but to have a very, um, you know, uh, have like a male uh, protagonist who seems to be, you know, in a very much like a, you know, female kind of role, like just because he has that like screen queen kind of thing that you see in a lot of horror movies, but uh, like as a male, uh, I don't know, I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah, certainly at the time it wasn't that common. I feel like it's maybe a bit more common now to have a guy in a horror movie. I mean, it's still more female than male, don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's still weighed in one I, side, but... I feel like the guys, like, in most horror movies that you see now, they'd be, like, overly macho or something. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. I've never, definitely never seen, like, someone, like, scream, like, the, the way he does. <laughs> at least from a, a male protagonist. Yeah, but, no, uh, that's, that's I, fine. And again, it's just like stuff like that that it's like, oh, this is interesting, like something that you don't really see too often. And it's kind of, uh, <laughs> I don't know, it's like, I, I, does, does it necessarily make it good? Like, I, I wouldn't say it makes no, it good. But, like, I, I have an okay time watching it. It's not what it's, you know, it's, I think it's fine. It does have a fan base. There's a cult fan base for Nightmare on Elm Street 2. I I think it's okay. I think I think the characters are memorable, yeah. but I think if you took if you took out this like uh, sex subtext stuff and you took out some of the weirder elements, it would be nothing. It would be such a like, oh yeah. I, as it is, I still think it's a bit of a misstep, like because it's like mm-hmm. a weird tangent to go on after the first one. It's like this doesn't really feel like it's part of the continuity, really. And then yeah. you go back to three and like three, like you know, continues everything the first movie set up, and it just yeah. Mm-hmm. So I feel like also. Yeah. Also, I don't like. Do they, they never really explain like how? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but like how all of a sudden Freddy is just able to like possess this guy. Oh God, no! Not not even <laughs> not even a, not even a lick of explanation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I think we're done. I don't have much more to add about Nightmare on Elm Street too. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, there. I guess there. There isn't really much uh, to say about it other than. Uh, again, the hundredth time of saying it, but it is interesting. It's an it's an interesting <laughs> movie. It's not necessarily the sequel you wanted for the first one, yeah. but it's an interesting movie. That is true. Tim, what would you I, rate Nightmare on Elm Street to? Uh, I think um, as as much as I do like enjoy watching it, like uh, obviously it's not my favorite of the series. Um, and, but it is one if I'm like rewatching it, like I won't skip it or anything. Uh, I, you know, I still have a fun time watching it. But uh, I, again, you know, like we said, other than you know that kind of subtext and stuff, there isn't a ton there. So I think I'm gonna give it a four point five, which oh. might sound a little harsh, but it feels uh, a little bit harsh. Yeah, 
but I, I don't know. It's like the I, I do get enjoyment out of it, but I mean, a lot of it is like the cheesiness factor. And uh, again, there's a lot of interesting stuff, but it's not like, you know, like we said, uh, not necessarily makes like for a good movie. You know, yes. it's not not necessarily what I want from a, a nightmare uh, movie, but still still a, a good watch. No, that's that's fair. Um, yeah, I'm going to go a little bit higher than that, I think. I think I'll go with maybe 5.5. I think it's just slightly above the average line because I do think the characters are quite memorable and it has got these weird, wacky ideas that kind of keep you interested and invested. I can't rate it much higher, though, because it, it is this weird tangent of a sequel that doesn't really feel like it belongs in the series, really. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's what's like a little tough for me. That's it. It's um, not like a you know, Fred, Fred, not Freddy's dead. Sorry, Jason goes to hell. It's not like that where it's so far away from the the movie series that. Yeah. But it's, and, it does feel just a little bit out. It's like a, it's like a, it's like an off ramp. Yeah, and I I think maybe um, yeah, like the like some like some of the idea of Freddy trying to possess someone. Like I I don't think that's a necessarily a bad idea but again like maybe some more context as to why and how all yeah, of a sudden like, he can do this why does he want to do that now and yeah or at least give us some dreamy kills like it's, it's that set up oh, yeah. that he's still doing that it's just that he has a specific goal in mind for this one for some reason i don't know yeah uh, i mean that's my big problem with it is as much as interesting stuff there is again there's not as many good like horror elements like if there is more creepiness or you know there's a few good special effects but like i don't know if there's like one really really cool gory moment or something and then the pool scene is just so silly but i don't know but <laughs> yeah no that's I think, that, I think that sums us up tim so uh, let us know what you think of nightmare on elm street part two freddy's revenge in the comments below like, subscribe, all that stuff. Get us on Twitter at mailed underscore fuzz for channel updates. If you want to support the channel, head over to patreon.com slash TV. You get some bonuses over there if you do that, such as voting once per month on an episode. You get access to The Crypt, which is a user-submitted list of movies that we'll get around to at some point. A to-do list, if you will, that we'll randomly pick movies for, for time to time to do. Um, I can barely speak. So that is <laughs> that has been uh, the second name of an Elm Street movie. Hopefully you had fun with the review. Uh, but that is us. So thank you once again for watching. Always appreciate it. Uh, keep watching scary movies. And we'll see you next time.